Welcome to the In All Things Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from friendship and personalities to contentment and faith. Our goal, to encourage you to seek Christ in all things. Hey, how's it going? I'm your host, Sierra. Let's imagine you're in my living room and dive into real conversation. At a previous job, I had to take a couple different personality tests, and one of them was called the Strength Finders Test. This test had a total of 34 strengths, and I think when you take the test, you get like your top three or your top five results. One of my top strengths was called Activator. Here's what the description says. When can we start is a reoccurring question in your life. You are impatient for action. Once a decision is made, you cannot not act. If the decision has been made to go across town, you know that the fastest way to get there is to go stoplight to stoplight. You aren't going to sit around waiting until all of the lights have turned green. Now, there's much more to that little chapter on that particular strength, but not much more is needed to describe me. (laughs) Okay, my friends and family who are listening right now are probably laughing because it's basically me in a nutshell. And that's kind of a fun feeling, isn't it? To be like seen and heard from these personality tests. They always seem to hit the nail on the head and we feel like finally somebody understands us. We can feel this way with Strength Finders, Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram, learning about our temperaments, the Colby test, the disc personality types, or even like a silly BuzzFeed quiz. These personality tests are growing in popularity over the past several years. And what started in the world of psychology moved into the corporate world. And now they're a major topic of conversation in our personal lives. It seems like you cannot find a podcast without it mentioning the Enneagram. And here I am talking about personality tests. But I kind of have a different perspective to share. This is a different type of episode than I've ever done before because there's not really specific parts in the Bible that I can point to and say, personality tests are great or personality tests are bad. Personality tests weren't even remotely a thing. So this episode is mainly my opinion. And like I said, my opinion is a different perspective. I share this because I don't really hear anyone else talking about it. And I'm not here to tell you what your own convictions about personality tests should be. That is the Holy Spirit's job. I'm here to share mine and hopefully just encourage you to consider how you are approaching personality tests. Uh, You'll hear me use the Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, and the temperaments in more of my examples for two reasons. They are more popular and well-known right now. And two, I have a better understanding of these particular ones so I can use them and explain them a little better. Um, But what I'm saying can apply to all personality tests. Um, So if you don't know what these are, I'll just run through a couple of these so you understand what I'm kind of getting at. So the Enneagram, that system has nine different personality types. So if you're a one on the Enneagram, 
you are very structured, organized, type A personality. If you are a six, you tend to be a little on the more anxious side. Um, A nine is a peacekeeper. And then it gets more complicated because they have wings. So if you're a one, you can either have a wing of a two or a nine because it's on this circle. Um, And that gets a little more complicated. But, you know, we're talking... If we're talking about the core personalities, there are nine different personality types there. Myers-Briggs gives you a combination of four different letters. Um, And I am an ISFJ. I don't know what every single one of the letters stands for, but like if with the first letter, I'm an I, it can either start with an I or an E, and that indicates whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. The F in my type could either be an F or a T, which indicates how you make a decision. Do you make it through feelings or through thinking? So that's just kind of a really brief run through. Um, And then like for the temperaments, it is a personality assessment, but I don't know if it has like a specific name, Um, but they're called temperaments. And basically there are four different colors of temperaments. Um, A blue would be that type A personality. A red is just very bold, blunt, can be, can come off as rude, but they're kind of the um, protectors, I guess. A green would be a peaceful and calm person. And then you have the yellow, which is like the very bubbly, outgoing personality. So those are just very brief run-throughs. You can look them up further if you want more information, Um, but I just want you to know what I'm talking about as I go through this. What I definitely don't want to do in this episode is to demonize all uses of personality tests. I don't believe that they're all always bad. I will say this up front, though. I think we rely an awful lot on them. A little history of personality tests. I don't know if you'll find this helpful. I found it really interesting. The first personality test was developed during World War I, and it was used by the U.S. Army to try to screen soldier recruits who would be susceptible to shell shock. Um, so they were trying to, like, weed those people out. And as they began to be used more frequently in psychology, their purpose then kind of grew to collect data for studies, to help diagnose issues, or to identify patterns in people. When it moved into the workplace, employers started to use personality tests um, to decide who to hire, which team to put a new employee on, or which tasks that employee should do. And now, we tend to rely on these tests to find our strengths and our weaknesses, to learn about someone else's personality, and even sometimes to find out who we're most compatible with. And I think, like with many things, there is a time and a place where these are beneficial. But as I mentioned, we've come to rely on them a lot. Before I dive in a little deeper, I think it is important to know the history of the test you're taking. And I'm just going to spend a couple minutes here. This is not what the majority of the episode is about Um, because I don't know the deep origins of each one of these. Um, I know a little bit about Myers-Briggs, and I know a a little more about Enneagram. That is the one that I've been researching more. Myers-Briggs was kind of born out of a woman's curiosity and her future son-in-law's 
worldview. That's how it came about. He saw the world in a different way. And the lady's name was Catherine Briggs, and she was fascinated by the way he saw the world and ended up developing these questions to help determine your personality type. Um, and she was motivated by World War One because she thought that understanding others could help make the world a better place. And we know that that can often be true. The Enneagram kind of has a longer history, but not, it doesn't go as far back as a lot of people say it does. They think it dates back from like Aristotle, Plato time. Some, some people have said that. Um, that is not true. It does kind of start though in the 1900s um, and it goes through a couple different contemporaries who ha- who took over ideas from their previous teachers. But when it comes to the nine types of the Enneagram, it was taught by a guy named Naranjo and he himself claimed that the nine types were based partially off of his own observations, but mostly through automatic writing. And if you don't know what automatic writing is, it is when someone channels a demonic spirit, and that spirit uses the person's hand to write something. And I hate even talking about it because it's really just dark. But when I found out, it was hard for me to not share with others because I think it's really important to know. It's important to know as Christians who are using this as a tool. I was using it as a tool. I started learning about my own Enneagram number and about Enneagram as a whole. I started identifying myself a little bit more with it, only then to find out that I was essentially defining myself by a demon-written description. Um, I have a couple podcast episodes that are not my own. Um, I will link them because they talk about this way more in depth by an expert and by a researcher. And so I'll make sure to link them in the show notes if you are interested in listening to that. But I think it's worth noting and considering that as we kind of talk through all of this. And then even as you approach it in your own life. So I mentioned that I believe personality tests can be beneficial, and I think that they can be beneficial in the way that they absolutely can shed light on our strengths and weaknesses. But oftentimes, we put an awful lot of stock into what they say. And it's really, I think it's really easy to do because they pin us so accurately. Like all of a sudden, we are seen, we are understood and validated. And I was chatting with a friend about this and I realized one of the things that we as humans all want is to feel known. We want that kind of connection where someone truly knows the inner parts of us. We end up finding a little bit of that in a personality test. And what ends up happening is we put our trust and sometimes even our value and identity into these test results because they get me. And as a result of that, we start focusing more and more on ourselves and we become obsessive over our new self-awareness. And then we want to dive even deeper into learning more about ourselves. But I think that that takes away the emphasis on who we are in Christ. And not only that, but in Christ, we are fully known by him and we are fully loved by him. 
And I think that personality tests cheapen that relationship that we have with Christ. There are some nuances to this. Like, I do understand that some people approach personality tests by saying, well, God created me like this. And that is true. But as a consumer of the tests, we are the ones who hold the responsibility in how we allow this knowledge to affect us. And so we need to be intentional with that. For example, oftentimes we can make excuses for our bad behavior by saying, oh, that's just because I'm a three on the Enneagram. Or that's the J in me. Or I have a red temperament, so that's why I do that. And this gets us into trouble. It is good to be aware of our weaknesses or things that we struggle with, but to make excuses for them is not healthy. And it really seems like a new common thing to do, to say, what, that's not a weakness, that's just a different side of my personality. There is no accountability in that at all. I understand that this doesn't always happen, but we do need to be conscious of the temptation to do this, because I can easily say, I'm uptight and judgmental, but that's only because I'm a one on the Enneagram. Instead of being convicted by that and saying, oh my gosh, I actually need to work on something, and that's my judgmentalness, you know? Sure, my personality in general may be more prone to that, but that means I need to be watching for that and working on it not laughing it off as just another side of who God made me to be. Another important thing to realize in this is not every aspect of our personality has been a part of us since birth. There are some personality traits that we were designed with and others have been developed through like experiences that we go through. Um, As an example, not an excuse, I believe that my struggle with being kind of judgy stems from certain life experiences because I haven't always been that way. (laughs) Again, that's not an excuse, but I just don't think that that was a struggle that was built into my personality. However, I am also a very structured person and I like to be organized and I like to have a plan. And I do believe that there is a positive side to my personality, But it does come with its own downside. And that's that I'm not very good at going with the flow. I do think that was part of my personality originally. So both of those things are things I need to work on. But my point is that we are all created and intricately designed by God. But some of our character and personality traits come from living in a fallen world as we do. Another thing that I see happening often is that we're finding these personality tests so relatable and we feel validated by them that we end up putting ourselves into this box. Whether it's a description from our Myers-Briggs or it's our core motivation with our wings in the Enneagram or the positives and the negatives from our temperament, we are given characteristics that we are told define us. And maybe they do have some truth. Maybe being a peacemaker is a core quality of yours, or maybe you love to organize and be efficient. I would say that those are descriptors of who you are, not definers. And not only that, but in my opinion, I would rather get to know someone by finding these things out naturally, whether we're out and about and, you know, I'm hanging out with someone and that's when I find out that they like making a plan 
or that's when I found out they like going with the flow, or maybe it just comes out up in conversation and we're able to laugh about things or they admit that they can be more anxious at times or that they are an introvert. And once again, this is my opinion, but I feel like it cheapens our personalities and us to define ourselves by a number or four letters or a color or whatever it is. Because there is so much more to us than any test could ever say. That test does not know our history and what we've been through. That test does not know what different situations bring out different parts of our personality. Um, That test does not know every nuance there is about us. And I think it's easy to introduce myself and say, hey, I'm Sierra and I'm a one. Or I'm Sierra and I'm an ISFJ or whatever the test is. Here's the problem with that. You are giving someone a teeny tiny standardized glimpse of yourself. It's kind of this one size fits all answer to something that is a thousand percent not a one size fits all. Have you ever been answering one of those questions on these types of tests and they're asking you to pick one thing from maybe a list of four options, maybe that you do most often or best describes you or something like that? There always seems to be those types of questions where I get stuck and think, well, sometimes I do both. Or am I answering like I'm at work or am I with my friends? Or should I answer what I want to do in that situation or what I do do in that situation? The tests are standardized, meaning you are going to answer the exact same questions that I'm going to answer, and we are going to be analyzed equally, but we may not be equal. The tests cannot see the nuances to our personalities. When God created humans, he did not start with nine cookie cutters and make all humans to, with those standard nine. He didn't use any cookie cutters. So when I introduce myself by a test result and the other person knows about the test that I'm referring to, they may now think that they know everything about me or vice versa. If I hear someone describe themselves with a test, then I think I know them. And it allows a lot of assumptions to be made about the other person because of that standardized glimpse that we now have of them. There are even a couple of these tests that have online quizzes or additional tests that you can take that tell you which personality you're most compatible with to marry or be friends with. I see a lot of danger in that because now we're relying on this standardized template to tell us who we should and who we should not be friends with. When we are even considering a personality test to help us determine who we're going to marry, that is not a good thing. We should first and foremost be listening to the Holy Spirit, then to our inner community. And honestly, I don't think we need to take into consideration what the other person's personality test results are at all. We should know each other's personalities by getting to know them. The old-fashioned sit down at a table, play some games, go out and do something way. Yes, there are certain people who natu- who are naturally drawn to certain people, and sometimes we just don't get along as well with others. That doesn't mean we don't get along with them, but maybe we just don't click as 
as naturally. And that is okay. That's normal. But if we are basing our decisions of who our friends are or who we will spend the rest of our lives with based on a single number or four letters, again, that is standardized. And we leave no room for the other person's or even our own full personality to come out. Now, I want to really pause here and kind of disclaim that I realize not everyone who is into personality tests uses them as excuses or uses them to find their spouse. But I do see these being red flags to be aware of because they are out there and they're more common than I think we originally thought, (laughs) to be honest. Um, As I was talking about this topic with someone else, she asked me, well, what's your opinion on spiritual gift tests? So I kind of wanted to bring that up here briefly. This is a little different in the sense that spiritual gifts are covered in the Bible in depth. But I can guarantee you that once the Holy Spirit came upon believers in Acts, that they didn't go home, Google spiritual gift tests, and take an online quiz to find out which gift the Spirit gave them. Clearly, God wants us to know which gift we have or when it be talked about so thoroughly. However, it's how we go about finding out. A spiritual gifts test is man-made, and again, it's standardized. So I don't think that with these, um, it's bad to take the, those tests, but I think they should be used more as an informational resource, not actually telling us what our gift is, because that should be prayed over and spirit-revealed. I have mentioned several times now that personality tests can be used for good and they can be beneficial, but then I've said a lot of negatives. Here's how I personally believe that these types of tests should be used. In the world of psychology, you have a trained and educated therapist or counselor or psychologist sitting across from you and conducting a test. Now, I don't know how that works in therapy, But it is like human to human, not computer to human. I would still advise you to not let that define you. That is important. And I think that this is a major issue. We take these way too seriously. In the workplace, I, I do see the benefits of having employees take these tests before being hired. I saw it work in previous jobs. But I also saw a very heavy emphasis placed on them. And I believe that when it's used as more than just that guideline, the employers can end up missing out on great employees because they were putting someone and or a job in a box. And on the other hand, that employee could look amazing on paper, but they didn't fit the job at all. And so once again, we can't let them dictate our decisions. And then on a personal level, honestly, I do not think that we should be using it to understand our family and friends. I think we need to get to know their personality and try to understand them from a personal place, not what a test told us to understand. But then how about when it comes to understanding ourselves? Now this answer might surprise you, but I think it's okay to take these um, to under help understand yourself in moderation. Understanding and knowing ourselves is not the problem. It's when we focus on the me and become self-absorbed in it that is dangerous. But I'll say it one more time. 
don't let it define you. If I view myself through the lens of being a one or my temperament's blue, I would, I'm going to view my world through that lens and I will eventually respond to things in the way that I believe a one or a blue should respond. It almost becomes this um, self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. We latch on to this idea of who we believe we are and study more and more about that personality. And eventually, we become the walking poster child for that personality type. And honestly, how we view ourselves can be different from how others see us. Um, I have a close friend who was kind of into personality tests at the same time I was, and we would share the things that we were learning. And she told me, and she told me what Enneagram number she was. And I sat there and I strongly disagreed because I thought she was a completely different number. She saw herself very differently than how I saw her. Now, my point here is not who was right or who was wrong, because my whole point of the whole episode is that it truly doesn't matter. But in this situation, it showed that how we understand ourselves versus how others understand us, right, wrong, or indifferent, can contrast each other. So basing our worldview off of a type is pretty pointless. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Hot Takes with Sierra. Should have renamed my podcast after this one. Um... I don't want to come from this place of being like holier than thou because I loved personality tests. I still like enjoy reading about them. Um, I've had my convictions about not using certain ones at all, Um, but I do still enjoy learning about the human mind, learning a little bit more about myself. You know, it can be a little bit fun, but I have just found that through myself, from listening to friends, from listening to other people's podcasts or reading books, These are my observations of how society has kind of turned towards these. Um, This this isn't a podcast that's directed at anybody certain. And again, I'm not trying to tell you what to do or what to not do. Um, I simply wanted to put these thoughts out there and hopefully just encourage you to reconsider or analyze how you are approaching personality tests and praying over whether you need to approach it in a different way. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for joining today's conversation. I hope this was an encouraging episode as you continue to walk with the Lord. If it was, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps with the app's algorithm and allows In All Things to be accessible to even more people. Share with your friends and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at In All Things Pod on both of those. And visit our website at inallthingspodcast.com. See you next time.